This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres. He is Money Mike Gilchrist watching the Celtics currently winning at halftime. Syracuse basketball currently winning at halftime, and he's sporting the colors of a winning team. Two-game win streak with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. Money Mike, you must be feeling as high as you were when you watched your team win those two Super Bowls. Uh, not quite as high as that, but I will tell you this. It has been a fun two weeks to watch the New York Giants. Well, I can't say fun. It's not like they've been pretty games to watch, uh, especially <laughs> the game against the Patriots. But it feels good to be winning again. I will say that. I do enjoy watching a football game, and the result is a New York Giants win. I know some fans are upset that they are winning and not tanking, but let's face it, no team in the NFL loses on purpose because that's just silliness. That's what fans want, and that's their way of coping with the fact that their team is bad. But in all actuality... If you're a real fan, you don't go into a game rooting for your team to to not win. You, you want your team to win. And so I'm happy that the Giants have won a few games. And they look less embarrassing now because they have as many wins as a lot of other teams in the NFL that are not doing so good. But, hey, they, you know, who would have thought the Chargers and the Giants would have the same amount of wins after week 12? Yeah, that's uh, I think it's, that's, more, that's more of an indictment on the Chargers. But we'll go a little bit more into that. Uh, a little later in the show, I will say the most ideal situation is when you're able to watch your team win, as I did, uh, the year that we were um, hoping to get Trevor Lawrence. They ended up winning their last game of the season. And everybody's like, no, why did we do this? Now we're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. And then obviously the Jets, they themselves got themselves a win too. And I know Jets fans to this day are not happy about that. So I, I 100% agree with you. It is better to watch your team win in current times. But it can and it will screw you in the future if you're a team that's really bad and needs help through the draft. I will say that because the difference in the current state of the Jets versus the current state of the Jags is night and day. It's all because of that one touchdown that Frank Gore that, that scored at the end of that season. Yeah, but you and I both know if a team was outed for losing on purpose, like intentionally yeah. throwing games, they'd be like talked about as like the worst team ever in terms of like, what terrible coaches, what terrible players, and they would have a hard time ever getting a job anywhere else. So, you know, look, obviously fans look at it from a standpoint of what's good for us in the big picture. Okay, their fans are not happy with the status of the quarterback in New York. Um, they're not happy with the offensive line. They know that things need to be done differently. And everyone just thinks that all your problems are solved if you make a change at quarterback. And so you're thinking, oh, okay, you know, everyone's raving about this Kayla Williams guy. People like Drake May from North Carolina. Uh but here's the thing. There's no guarantee that those guys are going to be good NFL players, especially with the fact that Caleb Williams already wants ownership stake in whichever team takes him. And Drake Mace was struggling in an ACC football games this past weekend. It doesn't bode well for you know, NFL play because let's face it, the ACC for football, other than Clemson consistently, is not special. And I'm saying this as a guy whose quarterback we gave $40 million to a year played at Duke. So... <laughs> That's you true. That would be weird to go from a Duke quarterback to a UNC quarterback back to back. Right. Right. And look, you know, Coach Dayball is not going to throw games intentionally. No. And honestly, what he's been able to do with this team on their third quarterback is showing why he was coach of the year, I think. I mean, the fact that we've been able to still win these games and now losing to the Jets and losing to the Bills weighs so much more heavily than they did when it happened because you're like, well, the Giants are probably only going to win like three or four games for the season anyway. But now if we had won those two games, we'd be right in the playoff hunt in the NFC. Yeah, which is also sad to say. And also, I would say more of an indictment on the NFC as a whole. But <laughs> we'll talk about that later in the show as well. <laughs> you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, there you go. But no, yeah, like you said, coaches are trying to coach for their job, right? And players are trying to put good game film out there to ensure that they can get a job in the future if it's not with their current team. So like right. everybody who actually has a direct impact on the game is not going to lose on purpose because that's just not good for their careers. Um, not good for their careers at all. So it's also not good for uh, certain people's careers, including Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, is the fact that the Buffalo Bills are in a position where it is looking very, very much more apparent with each passing week that the Buffalo Bills might miss the playoffs 
on the AFC side. And that's for a multitude of reasons. Number one, the AFC is stacked, right? So every AFC wildcard team this year is expected to at least need 10 wins. Maybe the seventh seed can get in with nine wins. We'll see how it all shakes out. But the AFC slate is much more stacked. Number two, the Bills themselves, they have a terrible AFC record. Five of their six losses now have come to AFC teams, uh, two of which have been to the two worst teams in their division. So it do, it doesn't look good in terms of kind of the tiebreaker situations compared to the Bang or not the Bengals, the Browns, the Steelers, the Texans, all of those teams. So they're behind in that regard. And then the third reason, their defense is really struggling. And I know all of the conversation was surrounding the offense, right? We, they fired Ken Dorsey. They uh, uh, bring in Joe Brady as the new offensive coordinator. That was to that was supposed to kind of really reinvigorate this team as a whole. Well, it's definitely reinvigorated the offense. The Bills came out against the Eagles this past Sunday in what was the most hyped matchup of the week and played very well on offense. Josh Allen had almost, uh, almost a perfect game, right? Other than the one interception that he threw, it was a very good game from, from Josh Allen. It was the uh, MVP-style Josh Allen that we've seen uh, before in the past. But this Bills defense, when it mattered most, just wasn't able to stop the Eagles when they were finally able to turn their play around in the second half. And the Bills end up losing in heartbreaking fashion in overtime uh, by a score of 37-34 to with the Eagles improving to 10-1 and after this uh, crazy matchup. Yeah, the the Eagles are becoming like a cockroach that won't die. I swear to God, every time I think they're about to lose and I get happy and excited, they they find a way to escape. And when I saw that sixty yard field goal, just barely make it in, oh, I was heartbroken because I knew that the Eagles were going to win in overtime. I just knew it. I was like, you know, Josh Allen's never won in overtime in his career. Uh, the Eagles are going to find a way to they they found a way to escape losing in regulation. They're going to find a way to win this game. And um, you know, Josh Allen and Gabe Davis, whoever was. Um, I don't know who's to blame for that. It sounds like, and it looks like he ran the wrong route. Yeah. Uh, there was a miscommunication there, but may, maybe not. I don't know. There's just either way. There was miscommunication, and they, you know, could have uh, could have won it there. And then, you know, some speculation afterwards, knowing the the end result, people were like, "Well, why didn't the Bills instead of kicking a field goal just go for the end zone and, and you know play to win?" And it's like, well, you know, what if they had gotten the stop that they needed? You know, it's bad weather. The Eagles could have turned it over. You know, they hadn't. The Eagles had not played a pretty game, so yeah. it was possible. So. Yeah, no team is ever going to not take the points in that scenario. No, because if you if you don't get the touchdown, then you're putting your defense in an even bigger bind. I don't know. Doug Peterson might might go for the end zone. Yeah, he's fucking crazy. And we'll go into that in a little bit. But uh, one of the biggest conversations surrounding Sean McDermott specifically was the decision surrounding that 60 yard field goal that you mentioned by Jake Elliott uh, for the Eagles to send the game into overtime was the fact that he chose to ice them. When it was a running clock, the Eagles didn't have any more timeouts, and they were rushing onto the field to have to kick a 60-yard field goal w without like being able to get fully men mentally set and take your time. That just felt like such a such a dumb move from most people's standpoints. Yeah, I, I again, it, it was uh, it was questionable, but it just seemed like after that, like after that play where they uh, the Eagles decided they were going to run out and kick the field goal. Seems like just everything that went wrong for the Buffalo Bills, everything that could have gone wrong did, um, and uh, it just again the Eagles just are a gritty team that find a way to win ball games, and the Bills this season have been a team that have found ways to lose ball games. I mean, you had the game against Denver that comes to mind. Uh, the this obviously this game against the Eagles, they had um, the game the against Jets. the Patriots where they were winning, and then there's the Jets. Uh, they almost did this against the New York Giants. Uh, I mean, they almost blew it against the Giants. Uh, and if it wasn't for a missed pass interference call, they probably would have. Uh, I'm not better at all. Um, and uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, you're right. Josh Allen looks spectacular. He definitely looked like the Josh Allen that people were raving about as being, you know, the best quarterback in the NFL, second only to maybe Patrick Mahomes and maybe some people's eyes third to Joe Burrow uh, when healthy. Um let me say this. If you had said before the season, hey, the Bills are playing the Eagles in Philadelphia in week 12, and the Eagles are going to win in overtime, you'd probably say, yeah, that sounds uh, – that, that, I can understand that. That sounds about right. Two good teams. This honestly was probably the game of the year so far. really was. Um, but it's just the fact that the Bills have now six losses at this point in the season. Nobody would have predicted that. 
uh, even me, somebody who's been very critical of the Buffalo Bills. Now, I'll, here's another point I'll make that maybe is going to be more of a positive spin on the Buffalo Bills, okay? They fired Ken Dorsey two weeks ago, okay? They, they looked good against the Jets offensively in that game, against a good Jets defense, and they did look good for the most part in this game at Philadelphia. This could be one of those games where it was like a measuring stick where it's like, you know what? We've made some mistakes, but we're still a good team. And, you know, this upcoming uh, week they play at Arrowhead. And if they can win this game well, at Arrowhead. Weeks, right, they have the bye. Oh, right, they have the bye, sorry. Their upcoming game is against the Chiefs. Let's say they come out and win that game. They've proven they can beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead in the regular season. They've done that a couple of times. Um, then you play Dallas. And Dallas has been a team that has not had a win against a, a team with a winning record yet this year. And they are extremely good at home. And this game is going to be in Buffalo. So you win at Kansas City and then you beat the Dallas Cowboys. Then you play the Chargers, who have been struggling. Then you play New England. And then you have at Miami. Now, will this game be for the division? I don't think so. I think Miami will have more wins, and it'll be for a wildcard spot. But you beat Miami by 28 the first time. Are you telling me that they're going to make up a 28-point difference the second time and beat you? So this conversation is, though, they have to win out now. Like I said at the beginning, oh, yeah. you need 10 wins. Uh, they have to win every single game. They can maybe afford to drop one, and that's it. Oh, right, because they're six and six, right? So they, yes. they, they could lose one more. Yep. They can lose one more, but even 10 and six. So in the NFC, eight wins might get you in. But <laughs> in the AFC, ridiculous. 10 might, you might be sitting out with 10. I mean, yeah. you might make it to 10, but you could get you could get out. So winning out would be their best chance to get in, especially with some other teams that are uh, right now uh, in the same boat as them. But they, like, you know, they're in the same boat as the Denver Broncos, who would have thought, but the Broncos beat them head to head. So the Broncos have the edge. Yep. It's uh, as a Jaguars fan and a, a fan of a team that potentially could be in position to end up playing the seventh seed. I really hope it's not the Bills, though. Of all the teams that are, and it's not just for my own personal uh, kind of feelings. Sure. Of all the teams that are in the wild card race, the Bills are the scariest, in my opinion, in comparison to the Browns, the Steelers. Maybe the Texans would be more annoying because we played them twice already this season. Um, right. But other than that, the Bills are the, the scariest team, I think, if they do end up sneaking into the wildcard spots. Yeah, I mean, the teams that are going to be in position that you, the Jaguars' potential matchup would be either against Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Houston, Denver, Buffalo. I definitely think out of that collection, the Bills are the most, yeah. uh, the team that could, if they play their best, have the best chance to beat you. Yeah. Um, 100%. For sure. I, I think it, I would rank it the Bills, the Texans, just because of the familiarity. Um, and then maybe Pittsburgh after maybe. that? Just the, the, the next three, it's kind of a toss-up. I'd probably put the Colts because it's tough to te- beat a team three times in one season. Um, sure, sure. But, yeah. what, what about what – are, are you nervous about Denver at all? Yeah, in some Defense ways. Defense has been playing better. I mean, they, really, they just keep finding ways to win. Yeah, I just no. – yeah. Honestly, the Broncos right now, they should be, and again, woulda, coulda, shoulda, they should be 8-3 and three, just like the Jags and the Dolphins and, and the Chiefs. I mean, they blew the first two games of the season against the Raiders and against Washington. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they had like a 20-point lead against Washington. And I, I've seen Washington for up close twice against my ailing New York Giants. I mean, they're 50% of our wins, and yeah. Denver should have beat them. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the Broncos, like, they they're they're a completely different team now than they were in the first six weeks of the season. So I I think yeah. it's just they've experienced a crazy transformation. Um, so we'll we'll see how their season turns out. Real quick, shout out to the chat here, Sir Burrito Bandit, back in the chat, giving us his love, giving us his support. Uh, shout out to my brother Anthony with a uh, subscription, thirty six months, man, three years of subscribing. Nice. I have been on Twitch for a long time here at this point. All right. Next game we're going to talk about is a game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. It was touted as the most exciting game of the 1 o'clock portion uh, this past Sunday because the Jacksonville Jaguars coming into this game at 7-3 and three, uh, after def- absolutely decimating the Titans last week and then the Houston Texans coming off of uh, coming in with a, I believe it was a three-game win streak, four-game win streak, I can't, I can't remember. They, they had won a few games in a row in Ooh, exciting fashion. Yeah. Houston? Yeah. Yeah, they had a three-game win streak coming into this game. Yeah, so the, this was uh, an incredibly exciting matchup, especially with kind of the conversations I've been having the past few weeks about how C.J. Stroud is the new golden boy of the NFL. Everybody loves to talk about how he's going to be the next greatest thing uh, ever, which is entirely possible, I will admit. He's an amazing quarterback. and 
I've been watching him pretty closely these past few weeks, and it's become very apparent that even in such, at such a young stage in his career, he already looks like a seasoned vet. Um, so it definitely scares me for the future. Coming into this game, I told you this before. I just knew the Jaguars were the better team, right? Like, C.J. Stroud could potentially be the better quarterback eventually. Even He might even be now. Some people think he is. Um, but the Jaguars have this more stacked team. They have the better receivers. They have the better tight end, the better running backs. And uh, the defense is better, too. So they had no excuse losing this game. And that, even though the game was won 24-21, to 21, it felt like throughout the entire game, the Jags were the better team and they were kind of controlling the game. I know there were some conversations about the terrible refing. I get that. There were some terrible refing on both sides. Uh, the entire momentum of the game was completely switched when they didn't call that DPI on Evan Ingram and, and it ended up in an interception for Trevor, which allowed the Texans to, to take the lead. So the refing was terrible on both sides. That's a conversation throughout the entire NFL and it has been for years. I don't want to talk about it too much, to be honest, because we know it sucks and there's nothing that's yeah. going to change about it. I, I, I think Bill's fans are probably the most salty this week. Yeah, well, yeah, because the horse collar and everything, which I totally understand. But at the end of the day, this has been the running conversation for years. Yeah, the, the, it's not going to change. Unfortunately, it's just part of the game now. Yeah, yeah, um, no, it's it, yeah. I, I, and look, this was in a very crucial game for the Jacksonville Jaguars because you had already lost to Houston once in your house and they were one game behind you. They win this game. Not only do you guys have the same record, but they've beaten you twice. So they really have a, a game and a half on you in that standpoint. So um, this was crucial. The, and yeah. you had said two weeks ago, you said, look, if the Jags win their next two games against division rivals, uh, you're going to feel good. And what I, you know, looking at the Texans' schedule versus the Jags' schedule, I say, oh, you know, the Jaguars have a tougher schedule down the stretch than Houston does. So that's why, again, it's crucial. Now, now they have a two-game cushion. Their next two games are against teams that don't even have quarterbacks. You have Cincinnati and Cleveland, and then you uh, you have a tough game against Baltimore on Sunday Night Football. I can't wait for that but game, they, man. That, that's going to be such a measuring stick game for the national perception going into the playoffs. If we win that game, well, it's it, going to be huge. It, it could be for the number one seed in the AFC also. That's the other thing. And, you know, then you close the season out with playing Tampa Bay, Carolina, and then Tennessee again, um, yeah. which should be three easy, easy wins. I mean, heck, you might lose to the Titans in the last week because you guys are resting up. Who knows? <laughs> I doubt that. I think uh, the seeding is going to be still a big fight by the end. But, yeah, I mean, there there's some talk. I mean, this is some crazy talk, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of the pos of possibility for the Jaguars to run the table. Like, like it... it I, the one really difficult game that I would be nervous about is the Ravens game, but the rest of the games, it's like, they're going to be favored in all of them. Now, does that yeah. mean they're going to win them all? No, it's the NFL. They're going to have a stinker at some point. Hopefully they get that out of their system and then going into the playoffs, they'll be ready to go. Um, yeah. But it's just kind yeah, of crazy to be in this scenario where it's like, I can expect my team to win every single week going forward. Yeah. Now I know for the, for those that are watching this podcast, I, I may have a youthful glow, but I haven't been in high school in quite some time. And that was the last time that the Jacksonville Jaguars will be playing on Monday night football. Drew, that it's been 10 years, 11 years, 12, almost 12. 12. Yeah. See, look, I'm getting old. <laughs> look at these, look at all these gray hairs that I have. Oh my God. <laughs> no. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's been since 20, December 5th, 2011, my mother's birthday. That was the last time uh, the Jaguars have played on Monday Night Football. They got destroyed by Phillip Rivers and the San Diego Chargers, 38-14. to 14. And from then on, the Jaguars franchise was thrown into the dumpster and nobody wanted to see us, which was fair. We had Gus Bradley as our coach, and he went 14-41, and 41, or no, 14-48 and 48 in his four seasons as Jaguars head coach. We had seasons where our best players were Chad Henney at quarterback, uh, Denard Shoelace Robinson from Michigan. He was our running back. And then we had Cecil Shorts III as our top receiver. That was Those were the rosters we were dealing with throughout those years in the 2010s. Yeah, I, I remember in college when I was teaching a friend of mine how to play Madden, uh, the first version of Madden I had my freshman year of college was still Madden 10 because I usually uh, wouldn't get a new version of Madden every couple of years because the game really doesn't change that much year to year. Um, but the way I would teach him to play was I had to play with a very horrible team. He always made me be Jacksonville. So I got very familiar with their, with their roster at that time. Um, and the first time he ever beat me was it was Peyton Manning's Colts versus the Jaguars. And I lost the first time I was, I was stunned. I, uh, yeah, they weren't, they were not good. They were, they were not, they definitely were not good, but you know what? This is great for the Jacksonville Jaguar brand. I, I know that, you know, 
people are still not giving them the credit they deserve because they're the Jacksonville Jaguars. People see that logo and they immediately think bad football. That's just what it is. That's yeah. just how it, it that's what the brand is. I mean, um and it's only going to change by winning on these national stages. Now, the most recent game that was kind of not on a national stage, but it was a big game where where there were big stakes involved. Um I, this obviously was a big game for you knowing the divisional stakes, but for the public at large, the bigger game was probably against San Francisco yep. and you guys got crushed 34 to three. And so that's what people are going to have in their mind. So unless Jacksonville um, can crush a team, they're supposed to beat in Cincinnati. Although people are not going to give them that much credit because there's no Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. that game against Baltimore, not only for the seating, but for the perception of the franchise, that is going to be very, very, very important. Yeah. And I've said before, the Ravens are one of the few franchises out there that we have a winning record against. So uh it's it's gonna be an interesting game there i can't wait for that one but yeah like like you said man just finally uh it's gonna be weird waiting until monday night to watch my team play because i literally haven't experienced that since i was pretty young in my nfl fandom so right yeah uh you won't be able to focus on work on monday now (laughs) (laughs) exactly anticipating the game uh do you think just kidding if any if any of if any of drew's uh superiors are watching this he'll be totally focused 100 <laughs> percent. yeah those uh those demos and those discovery calls will go smoothly bosses i promise um but in terms of the texan side i mean we got to talk about cj stroud i mean he's absolutely amazing uh the only reason we were able to win this game in the end was because josh allen jaguars uh edge rusher is a fucking beast 11 and a half sacks He's working himself into a huge contract this season. And on the final drive where C.J. Stroud, was, if he was able to get his team in field goal range, they would have tied it and sent it to overtime. Josh Allen recorded one and a half sacks. And they were able to generate pressure, which forced uh, Matt Amendola, their kicker, to kick from 59 yards when previously his uh, long was 50. So it was uh, it was definitely one I felt confident that he was going to miss. But he almost made it, man. It it doinked off the center of the crossbar. I was like, oh my god! It looked good the entire way. It yeah, looked good the entire way. I was. I I can't imagine being in your position. Actually, I was kind of in your position, although the game was a completely different stakes involved between New England and the Giants. Yeah. But, yeah, we both won off but of yeah, those no, field goals. No, no. C.J. Stroud has been. He's shown poise. He went. Uh, I don't know how many games at the start of the season without turning the ball over once. Um and. Uh, He's just been in the moments where he's asked to perform his best. He's been doing so. And I don't think there's any question in anybody's mind that D'Amico Ryans is the coach of the year. Yeah. Like, no doubt. There's not even another person in line to be. Do you think the Texans uh, would have to make the playoffs for that to happen, though? Yeah, but but again, it, I think that they're in a position to do that. They're on the outside looking in, but they have the same record as the Colts, who have the seventh spot. And the Texans have a pretty easy schedule. Now, they have a tough game this week against Denver, who's been playing better. But then you play like the Jets and the Titans, and I think they played the Colts again. So, I mean, their fate will be kind of in their hands at that standpoint. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland's obviously playing worse, um, and so they might be out of it. Uh, I, I think Pittsburgh's going to lock up one of those spots um, for sure because their schedule's not that tough either. Yeah. Um, but no, but I, he's been an impressive quarterback, and I think that. Uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. People were high on him and Bryce Young as the top two quarterbacks, uh, and people thought that Bryce Young should have been the number one pick. I think now people are second guessing that, and I think that people would now say C.J. Stroud. I remember thinking C.J. Stroud was great in the game against Georgia in the national playoffs last year. He, he literally, you know, it wasn't the national championship. It was the, um, the opening. It round. was the game before the national, yeah, the, yeah. the game before the national championship. Uh, I think it was on New Year's Eve, and he just he almost carried Ohio State single handedly to win that game, um, and they just came up just short. Uh, again, missing a field goal at the end that could have won them the game. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I, it, I think Houston's shot at winning the division is gone, but they definitely will be one of the two wild cards. I think, and uh, the way that D'Amico Ryan's has constructed this the belief in this team. I mean, I was one of those people at the beginning of the show uh, this this season saying that they wouldn't win like more than four or five games, right? And they're in the hunt for the playoffs. And I think but everybody thought Dable, that way. To be fair, that's why Brian Dable won Coach of the Year last year. He took a team that no one expected would be any good, and they went on a playoff run. Exactly. So. And and you gotta you kind of have to take this as a conversation about the AFC South as a whole too. I mean, the AFC South as a whole 
the Texans are outside looking in right now, and the Colts are in the in the playoffs with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. Um, yeah. The top three teams in the AFC South could make the playoffs this year. Now, is that going to happen? I don't think so. I think the Colts are going to end up falling off at some yeah. point. Um, but it's uh, it's turning out to be one of the most contested divisions in the NFL. And coming into the season, everybody's like, oh, Jacksonville's going to run away with this division because all the teams suck. Well, clearly yeah. we were all wrong. So, Well, that's, that's what you would have been easiest for you as a fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and who would have thought that after the last few years of ruling the division, the Titans have just fallen off completely. Yeah. Um, the That's only time they play well, the quarterback though. Yeah, but the only time they play well is when they're at home, and that's even then they're not that great. Um, so I don't know. It, it's uh, it, it's unfortunate for you as a Jags fan. I was hoping you're gonna have at least a handful of years, maybe, where you're just gonna easily cruise to the division win, just like Tom Brady and the Patriots used to do. Uh, but it doesn't look like you're gonna get that luxury. So it's gonna be a fight every single year. And I love Trevor's quote about how he wants every team in the division to be as bad as possible. I thought that was that was yeah, great. yeah. They're like, oh, are you gonna look forward to all these matchups with C.J. Stroud going forward? And he's like, no. I mean, I wish the quarterbacks in the other teams were bad. Like that would make it so much easier for us. I was like, you know that's that a remind- fair response. <laughs> no, you know what that reminded me of is because you know everybody wants. The, the, the thing that you, the cliche answer is to say, yes, you love the, the sport of competition and you look forward to it. But Peyton Manning, uh, one time, uh, they, you know, those uh, documentaries they do uh, when a team wins the Super Bowl called America's Game, where it's yeah. like a retrospective on the season. Peyton Manning was talking about um, when they were going to the AFC championship game against the Patriots. He's like, people were coming up to me saying, aren't you glad you're playing the Patriots? Isn't this the way that it's supposed to be? And he goes, no, I'm really not. I would have liked to have played Oakland. I think they had the worst record in football that year. That would have been fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like whatever makes it easier to reach your goals. It doesn't matter how you get there, man. Like, I and then totally Tony Dungy's like, Tony Dungy's like, I wanted to play New England because I wanted to show that we could beat those guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like sure, you say that now. Um, but all right, real quick here we'll talk about a game that didn't really mean much from a uh, playoff standing standpoint. It meant a lot from a future draft position standpoint, as you talked about before, but Tommy DeVito gets himself a second straight win in Giants blue. This one, a uh, low scoring game, 10 to seven. Uh, clearly the offensive uh, firepower was not there on the field in this game, but the Giants did just enough to get a win against the Patriots who are in complete shambles. Now, Mac Jones was benched. Bailey Zappi was brought in, was more of the same. And who knows what the hell the direction of the Patriots is going forward. Man, if I was Alex Dean, I would not enjoy watching this team. This was the first time since 1987 that the New York Giants beat the Patriots in New York. I know. Some of you are like, it's New Jersey. Okay. The first time they beat them at home since 1987, back when Bill Belichick was our our, uh, defensive coordinator. So it's been a long time since we beat the Patriots in New York. Um, and I loved how there was a point in the game where they had Gronk and Michael commentating on the game. And Michael was just like raving about the fact that we've beaten the Patriots twice. And Gronk was like, you know, my ankle was broken in that second Super Bowl. And if I wasn't 100% healthy, we would have won. And it's like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, <laughs> make the excuse, Gronk. Um, no, I mean, it, this game was something that um, I was really looking forward to at the beginning of the season when we were talking trash about who's better between Daniel Jones and Mac Jones. And I think clearly – uh, Daniel Jones is better than Mac Jones, even without playing. So uh, th- that debate is probably put to rest. Um, <laughs> uh, no, the, the thing with this game the, for me was the Giants win, and they have five games left. Now, the next two games are against Green Bay and New Orleans. If they win those games, now, if, if they lose one of these two, this this is moot. But if they win those two games, they have six wins. And they're up against right now, as it stands, these are the teams that are in the hunt in the NFC for those last two wildcard spots. Because whoever doesn't win the division in the AFC, in the NFC East, between Dallas and Philadelphia, will have that top wildcard spot. Like, that's locked in. And it's going to be Dallas. Um, so those other two spots are up for grabs. You have Minnesota, who has six wins, who lost last night to the Bears in a shocker. You have Seattle, who has six wins, who their next three games are at Dallas, at San Francisco, and then against the Eagles. Yikes. Then you have Green Bay, who has their next game is against the Chiefs this week. Uh, Chiefs are winning that. Uh, and then they play the Giants head-to-head, so the Giants would have kind of their fate. Green Bay only has five wins, although they did look impressive against uh, the Lions on Thanksgiving. You and I were together for that. Um, and then the Rams, the Saints, the Falcons, and the Bucks all have five or four wins. And 
those three teams in the NFC South, probably two of them aren't making the playoffs at all because only one of them is going to win the division. God, so the NFC is so that, bad, man. <laughs> going into week 16, the Giants could have six wins and with three games left be in a position to, if they win two or all those games, they could make the playoffs. So mathematically, we're still alive. That's why these people are like, we should tank, we should tank. It's like, no, because we're not going to get to the top two picks anymore. And look, we're going to have Daniel Jones as our quarterback for at least all of next year because we owe him $40 million. Yeah. Okay. So, and even if we were to replace Daniel Jones with Drake may, which we won't do now, but let's say it's somebody other than that. Like let's replace him with a rookie quarterback. There's still not a good offensive line. Yeah. I mean, if you, and I, I, this was our GM had a press conference before the buy. And he was like, if you were to tell me that our all pro left tackle, Andrew Thomas, Daniel Jones, Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley would only have 40 plays together this season going into week 13 into our bye. You would know it's a bad season because that that's, those are our four best offensive players. Yeah, you need and those guys had, to be successful. Yep. And there have been nine different offensive line uh, configurations in, yeah. in the first 11 games. So there's no continuity being built yeah. on the offensive line. That's an issue too. So it's not all on Daniel Jones. And so I, I think that Daniel Jones has protection. He can play well. He showed that last season. So will the Giants address the quarterback position in the offseason? Yes, they have to because Tyrod Taylor's contract's up. Daniel Jones might not be ready for week one because he has the ACL tear. So, yeah, the Giants are going to do something at quarterback regardless of what happens. And, yeah, would it be nice to have gotten one of the top two prospects? Sure, but there's no guarantee they're going to be any good. And, look, again, if the Giants win the next two games, they have a shot to make the playoffs. Is it a realistic shot? No, they need a lot of help. But the teams that they're up against have tough schedules. And Minnesota, I thought, would have been a guarantee to get that second spot. Not after what I saw last night. I mean, I had said on this podcast that I thought that the Joshua Dobbs uh, thing was more of like the Jeremy Lin experiment in New York. You know, he was great for the first couple of weeks, but then it kind of died. I think that's how it's going to be with Minnesota. Seattle has a really tough schedule. Green Bay... Not necessarily tough after their they, they if they win against the Giants they play the Bucks the Panthers they play the Vikings and the Bears the Packers have a good shot to get that second spot the Rams I mean they've got Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford still they play Cleveland who has a tough defense they play at Baltimore the Commanders think the Saints think and then they play us you know the Giants again they of the teams they're fighting against they play three of them now what's going to hold the Giants back is they play the Eagles twice which sucks. Uh, especially on Christmas Day, way to ruin my fucking Christmas NFL. Um, uh, <laughs> the Giants are going to lose by like 60 on Christmas Day. Um, and uh, But it, look, I, I just like the fact that I'm going to be watching a meaningful Giants game going into week 14 when I didn't think that was going to be possible. When Daniel Jones went down in that Raiders game and I was like, okay, I saw DeVito get beat by like 40 to Dallas. And I'm like, okay, season's over. This sucks. It's going to be terrible to watch games from here on out. But the Giants have a legitimate shot to at least be relevant for the next couple of weeks, and I look forward to that. Yeah. So that's my rant. Week by week. Yes. All right. Next one we've got here, next topic is the big news around the NFL is that the second head coaching fire of the season has occurred in Carolina, of all places, where Frank Reich, in his first year as the Carolina Panthers, head coach is fired. So he is no longer the head coach of this team after they had started one in 10 with Bryce Young as their top prospect. The team overall has been struggling mightily. Their only win was against CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans a few weeks ago. Other than that week, they have looked very weak on offense and their defense has not been able to carry uh, the struggling uh, offense. Even with the the likes of Adam Thielen uh, at receiver, they need more pieces. They need more talent. They need a better team. And clearly, in, in terms of the Carolina Panthers owner, they need better coaching as well. So uh, just an overall throwaway season for the Carolina Panthers. They don't even get an early round pick because they traded that pick to the Chicago Bears to obtain Bryce Young in this past draft. So they are in a rough spot, Money Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're a, well, as a Jaguar fan, I would compare myself to the Panthers a lot because you came into the NFL roughly around the same time. I think it was only like a year or two apart. No, the um, but the, I think that they, they were both expansion teams at the same time. But the Panthers had a far more successful run than Jacksonville. They made multiple Super Bowl appearances. They've made it to the playoffs numerous times. 
um, a lot of exciting wins and exciting players have gone through that franchise and that organization. Since this guy has bought the team in 2018, he has fired four head coaches. Four. Yep. I think. No, three. Sorry, three. But he fired Ron Rivera in 2019 after week 13, fired Matt Rule last year after week five, and fired Frank Reich in his first season week 12. They have so much dead money to two coaches now, Frank Reich and Matt Rule. Matt Rule is getting $40 million a year from the Panthers for God knows how long. <laughs> um, it's just, it's been a complete shit show since this guy took the team. And I got to say, it's been, um, it's been a mess. And the reports that Frank Reich actually wanted C.J. Stroud, but this, this guy made him take Bryce Young. Bryce Young doesn't play well. C.J. Stroud's playing good in Houston. And you fire this guy, it's like, what? You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, you can't fire yourself, I guess, unless you just resign and sell the team. But uh, it's just not been good. I'm surprised that the Panthers even won a game. They beat Houston, surprisingly. Uh, so at least Bryce Young has that. Like he goes, like, hey, what, 15, I, I, won, I, won the, I won the head-to-head matchup against D.J. Stroud. What, <laughs> what do you want? Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, 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 the Panthers are a mess. And I, I, I remember saying on this podcast, because I, I know the history of the Carolina Panthers. They are a team that has been successful in that division. I said, you know, I think Bryce Young will be good. I think Frank Reich is a good coach. So they'll probably struggle this year, but they probably will be a team that will dominate this division in years to come. Not only do I buy completely reversed in that position, I think the Panthers will be the dumpster fire of the NFL for the next four or five years because they don't have the luxury of being bad this year and like, well, they have a high draft pick. They can tank and get another good player. Nope, they don't own their draft pick because they traded it all away to get Bryce Young this past draft. So they're not going to be able to rebuild for next year. They're going to stink again, and if they misfire on another head coach or another pick, then they're going to continue to just be bad. And right. it, it's also not a free agent destination. It's yeah. not. I mean, who wants to go play in Carolina? I mean, all they have now to sell them on is the good weather. But there are other places with winning teams and winning organizations with good records. Like, I mean, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a more uh, appealing destination. The Jacksonville Jaguars are now a more appealing destination with warm weather. Uh, even going to Los Angeles to play for the Rams or the Chargers would be better than going to Carolina. Um, Atlanta would be a better landing spot than Carolina if I'm a free agent. Yeah, you know, it's, no, it, I agree. It, 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 it's just there's what can you sell them on? Because it's just like there's no continuity between of a head coach there. You've got an owner who's not getting a good reputation. Heck, he might be getting a worse reputation than the owner of the New York Knicks. And that's saying something because people hate the owner of the New York Knicks. <laughs> yeah, they've been wanting that guy to be fired for a long time. Uh, or not fired, but to sell the team. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely not looking good for Carolina and I surely hope that they can figure something out. It really just their entire future success is hinging on if Bryce Young develops into an elite quarterback and then you can kind of build around him. But Bryce Young, obviously the conversation is about how he is incredibly smart. His processing time is very good. He's able to make the right decision, but is that going to be able to transfer into the NFL? Because going from college to the NFL is obviously two massively different things. Is his brain going to be able to develop in that way? And then he doesn't have the ability to rest on his laurels and rest on his athleticism, right? Because he's not, he's probably the smartest or the smallest quarterback in the NFL, I would guess. Um, so it's not going to be his physical tools that's going to get him there. It's going to be his mind. And hopefully he's able to hone that to at least get them to a point where they can be decent, and then hopefully him being such a good quarterback can get them those better free agents that you were talking about. I think that's kind of the hope in Panthers fans' minds, but it's not looking good, and I think Ian would agree. It's a good thing he's not in the chat. He didn't have to listen to you go on that tirade about how they're going to suck for the next five years. But I mean, I mean, yeah, hey, but he would probably I agree mean, with you. Yeah, the, the the Giants are not in much better circumstances uh, necessarily, but hey, I, so I, I get it. But it's 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 tough to hear the truth. I I, I know I know it's tough. <laughs> do you think that Frank Wright gets another shot somewhere, or do you think that getting fired halfway through the year in two back to back seasons is going to probably make people want to stay away from him? I feel like he's going to get a cor- coordinator way. position at some point. I think, but not like a head. I coach think people position. might have the same position I have on him, which I don't think he got a fair shot in Carolina. And I think that's why he's going to get a coordinator position. Like, I think he's just, he's going to be able to get that opportunity on maybe a better team to be able to have a good offense, lead a good offense, and then get another head coaching shot down the line. But for now, I think he's got to step back, be like, all right, maybe jumping right back into a head coaching spot wasn't the best call. Let's take a minute, think about the next step and get to it. Um, 
another t uh, situation where the people involved need to kind of take a step back and realize what the hell's going on is like you have mentioned before the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears last night on Monday Night Football had probably the biggest stinker of any uh, primetime game so far this season. Uh, the Bears end up winning on a last-second field goal, twenty or twelve to ten, or not last second, but field goal towards towards the end of the towards the end of the game, twelve to ten. Justin Fields played very poorly from a turnover standpoint. Defenses on both sides played fantastic. Josh Dobbs and the Minnesota Vikings turned the ball over four times, and the Bears were still only just able to squeak out a win at the end of the game. Just an overall forgettable game on both sides, and like you said, the Josh Dobbs magic might be over. Yeah, I, I don't think that... I mean, the, the, it, Troy Aikman was laughing at how bad it was, which is telling you something. Like He's just like, man, this is just horrible play. And look, Josh Dobbs had done some really good things for Minnesota when he came in. He did some good things for the Arizona Cardinals. He did some good things for the, the Tennessee Titans at points. I think he probably did a few good plays in Jacksonville. But he is who he is. He's a big... Yeah, I love you rolling your eyes at that one. Okay, this might have been a stretch. But he... he uh, I don't even think he made the team. I think we cut he him. He can make good. He can make good. <laughs> he can make big plays, but he also makes big mistakes, and that's what you kind of get with him. And he's just he's going to make more mistakes than make good plays. And I think that as time goes on, more and more film comes out. Teams are going to see what he what gives him struggles, and they're going to do more of that when they attack him. Um, and so that doesn't bode well for Minnesota. And I'm a big you know schedule guy. I, I look at who you have upcoming, and I'm like, okay, so you go to their next few games are at the Raiders who have been playing better since they fired McDaniels. You go to Cincinnati who played Pittsburgh tough, you know, there's no Joe Burrow, so you should be able to beat them, but that they could still, the, it, Joe Burrow didn't get hurt on defense. So their defense is still going to be who they are. Um, and then you play the lions and the Packers and then the lions again, maybe one or two more wins. I mean, eight wins, I think could get you into the playoffs in the NFC. So the playoff shots, not done. There's in the picture. Uh, I certainly would rather be in the Vikings spot than the Giants spot, but it's tough. Yeah, it's certainly going to be going to be a challenge. And when Green Bay, you know, your hated rival is going this way and you're going that way, yeah, yeah. I was going to say all NFC North teams listed on this graphic, and it, th this kind of bodes to the comment I made yesterday after this game. Like this is what we see with journeyman quarterbacks. You have Josh Dobbs come in in Minnesota. He ends up do doing fairly well, but eventually they get figured out. Right. And then they yeah. you end up seeing why they're not able to hold a stable a quarterback starting position in the NFL. We saw it with Ryan Fitzpatrick over and over and over again. We saw it with Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville and now in and then in uh, Philadelphia and then now with Indianapolis. I think there's just always this like excitement, like, oh, this person's been in the NFL for so long. and They're finally getting their shot and they're finally playing well. Uh, let's see if they can keep it going. I feel like Geno Smith might fall into this category soon too. I feel like his play is kind of regressing after last season as well. So it's like, it's, yeah, go ahead. It, it, no, it, it, it's terrible. You want to, you, you, when you're in a position where you're really trying to like, you're in like, let's say an evaluation year on a guy and they play well. And then you go into the next season thinking, okay, they're going to play just as good, if not better. And then it's a dip down. Like, you know, um, obviously Daniel Jones has struggled with injuries with, you know, he had the neck injury. He had the, um, he had the torn ACL, but fun stat for Daniel Jones. He is the most sacked quarterback in the history of the New York Giants franchise outside of Eli Manning and Phil Sims, the guys who played quarterback the most for the Giants. The yeah. only two guys that he's behind right now, uh, and so he's on crazy. pace to surpass both of them. Uh, so he hasn't had a lot of protection in his career. So he hasn't really gotten the most fair shot. Jordan Love is somebody who... I don't think is getting a fair shot or hadn't gotten a fair shot to this point, but here's a fun, fun stat for you. Okay. So Aaron Rodgers was six and 10, his first year as a starter for the green Bay Packers. Then his following season, they went to the playoffs, lost the Cardinals. The year after that, they won the super bowl. Aaron Rodgers and Jordan love through their first 11 games as starters for the green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers threw 2,599 passing yards with 21 total touchdowns. Jordan Love, through his first 11 starts as the Green Bay Packers quarterback, has 2,599 yards and 21 total touchdowns, and they both had a record after those first 11 starts at 5 and 6. The only difference is that Jordan Love 
might make the playoffs his first year as a starter. Wow. So, so it's literally fans, to the yard. To the yard, to the touchdown passes, to the record. Wow. The That's wild. What the hell? Isn't that crazy? And look, the Green, Green Bay Packers, you you have a big win against Detroit. If you come out and you play on Monday Night Football and you beat the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, it's a repeat of the very first original Super Bowl game, people will take the Packers seriously. And the Packers, you know, if they go on a run here, they still have a shot to win the division. Now, that will drive fans like Steve crazy that if the Packers are <laughs> good, even without Brett Favre and even without Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love comes alive, that will just, you know. But again, the Green Bay Packers could be in a position where they go on this run because they don't have that tough of a schedule. They make the playoffs, and the next year Jordan Love shits the bed. and <laughs> Right, and then they're in the Giants position. After they've already, like, if they decide to pay him, he, he starts playing crappy. You know, he yeah. could pull up Blake Bortles, you know, who knows? But right. it's, it, isn't that a crazy stat with the, with the Packers quarterback? That is nuts, I mean, man. Like, the, the likelihood of that is so slim to the yard and to the touchdown. That That's right? so crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, no, the Packers are definitely trending upwards. This last game, as you and I were sitting there watching the Packers play the Lions on Thanksgiving, you could just tell that Jordan Love looked like a completely different quarterback. Now, it helped that the Lions defense has been reeling over the past few weeks. Like, clearly they have a lot of struggles, and Love clearly felt confident and comfortable behind that Green Bay offensive line. But man, sometimes that's all a quarterback needs to find their rhythm, to figure out what they need to do, figure out what they do best, and kind of continue that with each passing week. So I, I am very intrigued to see how they play against the Kansas City Chiefs this upcoming week. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good watch. Yeah, yeah. Because the Chiefs defense is far better than Detroit's. So that'll be a good uh measuring stick for for Green Bay. And hey, uh, hopefully they have zero confidence going into the next game against uh, the New York Giants. So we'll see. Yeah. And I was I mean correct, the game is on Sunday night football, not Monday night. They play Monday night against the Giants as it stands right now. Although if I'm the NFL, I probably would move that game off of Monday night football and put, I don't know, let's say Philadelphia versus Dallas. I think that'd be much more fitting <laughs> well, primetime game. Than the Green Bay Packers prime time game isn't it? No, it's not. It's slated to be like a 425 game. I think. Oh, it's the America's game of the week on Fox. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I believe that's the case. Uh, no, I mean, it's Sunday night football. So yeah, yeah. they probably won't move that one. That'd be ridiculous if that wasn't a primetime game. That'd be so, so dumb. Um, real quick, speaking of primetime, we're looking here at the uh, standings for both the AFC and NFC side. What are the Patriots going to do here? This is so wild to see them as the bottom team in the AFC by a pretty significant margin, by two games. What What is the plan for the Patriots going forward, man? You know, they still have two years on Bill Belichick's contract. Now, it, it, it could be like one of those situations where, like, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, everyone thought they were going to be done with Greg Popovich, but then they fell into good luck in getting uh, the number one overall pick to get Wemby, uh, you know, from France. So it's like if the Patriots are in a position to take, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake May, they are it, are they going to say, you know what, we, we, we're we going to give Bill the benefit of the doubt that this was just a bad season and he's going to be able to develop this guy uh for the future going forward um maybe uh i could see with all the drama that's gone on this year you know the the patriots were always that team that like whenever there were issues you never heard about them because they didn't leak they were there's nothing and things leak when you want them to leak so there's somebody in new england who wanted the narrative out that this could be bills last year um and that there, because it's not just sports media saying that it's reports from in new England that like there are people in new England who are saying that, yeah, he's probably done here. Oh, he wants out or oh, Kraft wants him gone. Um, and there are reports that Mike Vrabel might be out of Tennessee uh, and that he would be the home run hit for the Patriots, you know? So he's obviously had a good run as a coach with the Tennessee Titans. What if they bring him in with this new quarterback? And uh, clearly, the, 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 if there's one team that's definitely going to move off their quarterback, it's the Patriots. Because yeah. the report this week was that, like, between who do they believe in more, Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi? And Jay Glazer on Fox Sports was just like, well, actually, they've acknowledged that the quarterback of the future is not in the building. So yeah. it's neither. <laughs> the answer was neither. Um, and so right now, they're pick number three behind Chicago, who has Carolina's pick, Arizona, and they have the third pick. And will both Arizona and Chicago take a quarterback? 
Because if so, then Drake May and Caleb Williams most likely are off the board. Arizona, I that's know. I don't know, man. Like they, Kyler Murray is a good quarterback, man. I I think he's good. It's just that the team is not all around. The team is not good. Like like I just what are, yeah. What do the Bears do about Justin Fields? Do they trade him? I I think they trade him. If I would if I were the Bears, I would trade Justin Fields and draft a quarterback. If you if you have a top three pick, you draft a quarterback and trade away Justin Fields because I think you can get something good for him, whether that's a a, a two uh, a second round pick. Maybe even a third round pick, something like that. I know there's some speculation I heard this morning that they should trade him to Atlanta, which I think would be a good landing spot for Justin Fields. Yeah, that's um, actually yeah, that sounds like a good spot for him. So I I I think that that's what the Bears need to do, and I think with each poor showing by Justin Fields, I think it's going to be become more and more apparent for Bears fans that they would agree. But then Arizona's already paid a contract to Kyler Murray. So, yeah. you know, they have to find somebody who would be willing to buy out that contract as well as a trade. Like Justin Fields right. is still on a rookie deal. So it'd be easier to trade him. Um, yeah. So I, is it in look, there's still a lot of time left between now and week, uh, week 18. The Patriots could slide into one of those top two spots. Now, if they get into one of those top two spots, they're getting either to Caleb Williams or Drake May. And look, since Robert Kraft has owned the team in, in 1994, they haven't had back-to-back losing seasons until last year and this year. So they're an organization you can kind of put your faith in a little bit more than like a team like Arizona or Carolina with under the new ownership. I'm yeah. let me, you know, under that caveat that they, since 2018, this goofball took over. Um, <laughs> so it, <laughs> uh, I, I think that Boston fans have been spoiled and they are very angry at the Patriots, but really, I think that they should be like, you know what? We have six Super Bowls, uh, a bad season. If we end up getting a quarterback who's going to be good for us for 10 to 15 years, suck it up for the next few weeks and be thankful where you where you are and what you've been able to accomplish. Because there are teams like the Bills who have never won anything and their fans are starving for at least one championship. The Patriots were the team that fans said they don't even pay attention to the regular season. Call me in January. So, yeah. Right. Like, Welcome like to the rest of us, New England. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 their fan base can suffer for a long time, yeah. and I wouldn't feel bad. <laughs> and, and and look, if you're a true blue uh, Boston fan from Boston, right now your life is good because you have the Celtics who are up right now 116-81 to over the Chicago Bulls, best record in the NBA, and the Boston Bruins have the best record in hockey, I've been told. So you've, you've got other teams to put uh, to rely on right now. Exactly. Yeah, you can't have all of them be great at the same time all the time, you know. So right, yeah. Um, Ball Buffalo has is a is a, a lacrosse team to yeah. rely on when they're things. Let's go Bandits! Hell yeah. Um, so one more thing about the this view here, um, staying on the NFC, AFC side, Los Angeles Chargers. How the hell has Brandon Staley not been fired yet, man? I don't understand. They they are wasting Justin Herbert's prime. And his rookie contract, he's gonna have to get paid soon, man. So that's they're, yeah. I, I just they're gonna have to worsen their roster to pay him. I just well, don't understand. Herbert's already been paid. Oh, I, oh yeah, that's right. He has been paid. He has. He's already been paid. So yeah, that's that's the problem with teams like Cincinnati and uh, the Chargers. Is this was the last year that Cincinnati had a lot of their core guys who who need to get paid yeah. to do something, and just and you know Joe Burrow's out for the year, and now the Chargers are gonna be in a position where they need to pay some not only. Are they going to have to pay some people? If they want to really change the direction of the franchise, they need to make a change of head coach. And a team like Los Angeles, a location like Los Angeles, is going to be demanding of a marquee guy. Now, the Chargers owner has been historically one of the cheapest owners in the National Football League. And we just got done talking about New England. There's one of the sexiest rumors, I would say, uh, that's out there that's talked about that people would love to see is Bill Belichick go join Justin Herbert in Los Angeles. Um, I will say that would be a sight to see. I don't believe that's going to happen. I believe if Bill Belichick is out of New England, he will be done coaching altogether. Um, but yeah, how did Staley maintain his job out of Jacksonville, Florida? I don't know. Like after that game in Jacksonville, I don't think he should have been allowed on the plane back. They should have <laughs> been like, rent a car. You can drive cross country. You you know. Right. Uh, but now he's getting in fights with people in the media at press conferences. Um, the Chargers have, I mean, just They're what nice. an embarrassment. I mean, what an embarrassment. I mean, you were a team that made the playoffs last year. People were saying that you could challenge the Chiefs for the division crown. 
And now you have as many wins as the New York Giants, the Chicago Bears, the Washington Commanders, the Tennessee Titans, and the New York Jets. That's sad that you're in that collection of shit. Yes, that, that is certainly a collection of shit. Uh, Sir Burrito Band in the chat says 49ers versus Browns Super Bowl. Final score 14 to 10. That is his prediction for the rest of the season. And then he says, suck. Yeah, and then he says the Jags play the winner in the first ever Ultra Bowl afterwards. So that, that's his prediction. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. I, I, I think that, uh, I, I think he should focus on baseball. <laughs> I think I should focus on figuring out how the hell I have lost the massive lead that I was able to build throughout the entire season when it comes to our picks. Uh, you were able to have another perfect week this past week. Uh, Eagles, Giants, Jags, Broncos, 4-0. And I went 2-0 because I picked the Patriots. I keep picking against your Giants, and it's fucked me. Um, so we are now tied at 27. Uh, we both kept our lives uh, because I picked the 49ers. You picked the Cowboys, both pretty uh, easy games where the teams won handily. So now we move on to Week 13, where hopefully I can rebuild my lead. And this week we only have one game to pick from uh, our specific game, uh, team specifically, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals at the Jacksonville Jaguars on Monday Night Football. Um, I guess we're both picking the Jags, right? Are you? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm picking the Jags, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. If we lose this game, it's going to be an absolute embarrassment. Um, yeah, will Urban Meyer be joining the team so he can go back to that bar in Ohio? Well, it's in Jacksonville, so. Oh, okay. Well, He's still probably going to be at that bar. <laughs> um, so, yep, we are post pick, picking the Jags on Monday Night Football. Um, man, Minnesota's on bye, too. I was going to say, why don't we pick the Vikings game uh, for for Steve? But I guess, so let's pick two uh, other games. We'll start with the biggest game of the week. By far the most interesting. By far the most exciting. San Francisco versus Philadelphia in the late window of Sunday. In Philadelphia, rematch of last year's NFC Championship game. Who do you got? I am going to back the. I'm going to. I'm going to back who I want to win. Uh, and I think they will win, but I'm also. I'm also going to pick who I want to win, so I'm rooting for it that much more. The San Francisco 49ers are on a mission to right the wrong of the NFC Championship game last year. They felt like they were the better team going into Lincoln Financial Field, and they lost their quarterback in the first quarter, and they really felt like they were robbed of an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl because they really thought that if they had gone in there and they all stayed healthy, they would have won the game. Some would argue that the Eagles were so good they took him out of the game. Um, and injuries are all part of football, which is true. Uh, but this is a game where if the 49ers want to have any shot at having uh, the number one seed, they have to win this game because they have three losses and the Eagles only have one. So the 49ers need to beat the Eagles here. The Eagles have not lost the game at home yet, so it's going to be quite a task. But I think they are up for it. They've built some momentum. 49ers will take advantage of the mistakes the Eagles make. And I'm taking San Fran. Cisco. Yeah, I'm incredibly excited to watch this game because there, there's been a lot of jawing between the two teams. A lot of excuses were being thrown out about last year because the 49ers didn't have a quarterback for most of the game. And uh, obviously the Eagles were uh, complaining a lot after the game against the Chiefs. So there's just a lot of uh kind of negative discourse about how both of these teams seasons ended last year so i think this will be a, a huge measuring stick for both teams um i'm gonna pick the 49ers here too we're not gonna do this as the um the uh, where one of us has to pick the other te uh, team we'll sure. do that with the next pick um i'm gonna pick the 49ers you're, you're, here too you're taking the, four, you're taking the 49ers all right yes uh, I think uh, the, the Eagles have been going through a gauntlet and they've been winning by the skin of their teeth with the Chiefs, the Cowboys, and the uh, the Bills. I just don't see them doing that again against the 49ers. If they do that again, then this team has a freaking horseshoe up their ass, man. Because it's it's crazy how they are just able to find ways to win every I, single week. I think, the, I think the Eagles are about to lose back-to-back -back games. Mm, I guess the Cowboys that. too, huh? I think they're going to lose back-to-back uh, the, the the Dallas Cowboys are a completely different team at home than they are uh, on the road, and they almost beat 
Philadelphia on the road. So I think that at home where they feel good, Dallas will 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 pounce on them. So even if they win this game against San Francisco, I think they lose to Dallas. But I think that they're going to lose these next two games, and then they'll probably cruise the rest of the way, including on Christmas Day against the Giants. But uh, this the, this will be like their rough patch. Their regular season rough patch will be these next two games. All right. And then the other game I want to pick here is the Denver Broncos at the Houston Texans. So I would say probably the most interesting game of the one o'clock window this week. Uh, Denver Broncos, obviously a team we were talking about uh, that has been streaking, winning five straight, big win last week against the Browns. Um, and then obviously the Houston Texans coming off with the loss against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But prior to that, they had won three straight um, against solid competition. So I'm going to pick this one first. This is going to be the one where one person gets uh, sure. one team and you picked first last week. So I'll be happy with either. Yes, I'm going to pick the Houston Texans. Um, ah. I, I'm just picking the team with the better quarterback at this point. Um, okay. After watching that this Texans team last week, they're, they're, even with the Broncos playing so well on defense, the Texans are the better team, um, in my opinion, just because they have C.J. Stroud and the fact that Tank Dell is really emerging as, as his number one wide receiver. Uh, their defense is suspect for sure, especially their secondary. But the Broncos aren't a team that chucks the ball down the field and racks up yards. Um, so as long as they can kind of control the run and get to Russell Wilson in the pocket, I think the Houston Texans are going to get it done. I hope I'm wrong. I'd rather them lose, so it makes it that much easier for us in the division. But I'm picking the Texans here. Yeah, I, I would have been happy with either one of these because uh, I can make an argument for either one. That's why it's a good game for us to pick. Um, I think the Denver Broncos have momentum. I think that Sean Payton has finally got these guys to buy in. I think Russell Wilson has found a comfort zone now with the Broncos offense. Um, and I just think that, uh, I, I feel good. Let's ride. Let's ride, baby. I'm all about, let's go Broncos. I've got some Bronco, uh, fan family members, so I'll be with, I'll be with you guys this weekend. Let's go. All right. Sounds good. So money Mike takes the Broncos. You know what? Because this is the only game, right, that we pick differently. I'm going to switch my pick to the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly, baby. Let's go. All right. Uh, Make it interesting. Hey, at your own peril. At your own peril. You know, you'd only be one game behind. Now you might be behind by two. You yeah. run that risk. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm hopping on the, the Eagles bandwagon for this game. Fuck the 49ers. They beat us 34 to 3. Who's your eliminator? Who's your lock? All right. Um,. Why don't you tell me first? Because I actually haven't decided yet. Okay, well, that's the thing. I, I, I'm looking at all these games, and I'm like, okay, I, I feel really good about Dallas. I feel really good about Detroit. I feel good about Pittsburgh. I feel good about Miami. I feel good about Kansas City. I've picked them all already. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, now, I will say, before the season, I had wrote down that I would be feeling good about the Jets in this situation, and I would feel good about Pittsburgh. Well, I, I've already used Pittsburgh. I have not used the Jets yet, but do I feel good about the Jets? No. No, I don't feel good about the Jets. <laughs> you can't pick the Jets. So oh. I'm going to pick a team. Here's, who's, here, here's who I'm going to pick. I don't like it, but I have to pick somebody, and I haven't used them yet, and I, I don't see another opportunity where I could. Tighten up, baby. Nissan Stadium. Titans win against oh. the Let's go. That's that's a tough pick, man, because they are definitely underdogs in that matchup. Wow. Tighten up. Okay. I would I would love to see the Titans lose on Sunday for multiple reasons then. That's funny. Okay. Um so I'm gonna pick that this one doesn't make me feel great either, but I think it's definitely the right choice. Um I'm gonna pick the Chargers at the Patriots. So I know the Chargers are reeling, right? They're four and seven. They're they're on the road traveling across the country, but the Patriots are just in absolute shambles. And I understand their defense is good, but come on, Chargers, you got to win this game. Give me something here, man. Yeah, yeah. You know what's it's it's, it's all extra insulting with this Titans pick is I haven't picked the Jags yet. <laughs> Why would you? Pick? You're crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's gonna be other chances to pick the Jags later in the season yeah. so yeah i i actually have it written in my notes i have the jags link locked up for week 16 so okay. um i think they play let's let me go to week 16 who they've got um uh, i think it's like the panthers so yeah no that makes sense then um 
No, Tampa Bay. When I it was when I when I made these notes, I said Tampa Bay is the worst team in football. I was like, oh, I'll pick the Jags and I play Tampa Bay. So I'll probably <laughs> save the Jags for when they play Carolina. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, sounds good. So you have the Titans, man. That is a wild pick. Um, and then, and then I have the Chargers. I didn't we catch up see. to you by taking by taking it safe, Drew. You kind of did. I don't think any of the picks you made were were that crazy. Like it was just like I picked the 50, Giants 50 games, times. and you were right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's going to be an interesting slate in week 13. Uh, update on the Celtics. How are they doing? Literally, the, literally, the game just ended. They won 124 to 97. It was one of the in-season tournament games. Uh, they've won all except one. They, they dropped on Black Friday to Orlando, but they, uh, they won their 14th game of the season. They have yet to lose at home at the Boston TD Garden. Um, so Kristoff uh, Porzingis is out this week with a calf injury. Um, so we'll hopefully get a better analysis of him later this week to see going forward, but they've been very positive that it's only going to be a minor injury and same with Drew Holiday. He's been out the last couple of games. So, uh, again, his stuff is uh minor. So Celtics are doing good. They're still cruising again. It's only, uh, the end of November. So they were dominant in November last year and they were at the top of the East and they eventually became the two seed. So I, uh, will hold out being too over celebratory, it's only this far, but so far, so good. So far, so good. That's kind of given the conversation surrounding the Celtics. Hopefully they can hold on to that aura for you as they continue. Uh, Syracuse on both the football and basketball side. Football, they ended up winning against Wake Forest in their last game of the season to put their record at 6-6 six and six and guarantee themselves a bowl game. Money Mike, are you excited? I don't think they get a bowl game. I think they had to win seven games. No, I think you have to win six. To be, in a, uh, to be in a bowl game. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, I literally think you only have to go 500. And to be right. in a bowl game. Let's, let's live Google this, folks. Yes. I thought you had to get seven wins. Six games. It shows up okay. in big letters, Money Mike. Read it and weep. All right. Hey, you Six know, cool. games. Which is funny because they, they fired <laughs> Dino Babers. Uh, <laughs> and they're going to be able to still play in a bowl game. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, no. Am I excited for a Syracuse bowl game? No, because they're probably going to be the underdog in that game. They'll probably get their asses beat. Um, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, no, I'm not excited for the bowl game for Syracuse football. I will watch it, but I am not going to be like, Woo-hoo! can't wait. Um, Even if they win it, it's then, like it's probably going to be like the fucking uh, I don't know. I can't even I think maybe, of an obscure brand. Maybe they'll, play at, maybe they'll play at the new football field they built a few years ago at Phoenix High School. Maybe that's where they'll have the and that's the venue they'll play at. Uh, that's because that's how important it'll be. No, it's, it's um, gonna it's and, gonna be the Money Mike Bowl in the Dean's side yard. Hey, there you go. <laughs> now that that's the name you want on your brand. Yes. Um. <laughs> uh, but the basketball team beat LSU tonight, eighty to fifty-seven. So, uh, you know, it was Damn. the LSU. Does LSU it wasn't suck that the, bad? It wasn't the defending champion women's team, uh, but it was the men's LSU team. And yes, they beat up on them pretty bad. So Jesus. Um. <laughs> So Syracuse wins that game, uh, their second win in a row after beating, you know, the very highly talented team out of Hawaii that was a Division II squad. That, that is literally the only Syracuse basketball I've watched so far this season. I need to start watching some more because that, that was not a good barometer in how good they actually are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Syracuse uh, was getting affected today by its first major lake effect snowstorm um and they uh were able to uh storm lsu and uh beat up on them so uh yeah fuck the snow (laughs) so it's about that there you go money mike with his good puns so that's our uh basketball and syracuse football update for you hopefully you all enjoyed our week 12 review and week 13 preview of the nfl season lots of teams on by the giants the bills the minnesota vikings so it is the jags week everybody enjoy monday night football for when the jags like i said return to the big show after 12 years it's gonna be a fun one money mike yep tighten up oh my god all right he is money mike gilchrist i am drew torres and enjoy week 13 of the nfl season take care